It sounds like me when I sing. Uh, I thought you know I'd switch bit. it. I thought I'd switch it up a little bit. Uh, Seven twenty WGN. I'm John Landecker. He's Steve Dale. Of course, when you Steve, hear Steve Dale, you think news about pets and uh, the holiday season. And you know, we still got the singing dogs, and they're standing by with the jingle bells. But I thought, you know, <laughs> I thought the uh, singing cats. Um, I thought that was a nice little extra touch. Silent night. It either was or, uh, or we it lost wasn't. all our listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, hey, John. So, hi there, Steve. How's it hi. going? Uh, good, uh, good, actually. Uh, g- good news on the mysterious dog upper respiratory infection front. Oh, what is that? No, I mean, okay, I know we've so been talking about it. What's the good news? Yeah. Okay, well, and I haven't even written about this yet. It'll be uh, published tomorrow morning in my blog. So it appears as though in many parts of the country, including Chicago... This thing, uh, we're still seeing it, but less and less of it, significantly less. It seems to be burning itself out. So a guess would be, a guess, a guess would be this is part of the canine infectious uh, respiratory disease complex, or CIRDC, as veterinarians call it, which includes Bordetella, canine para-influenza, and several other upper respiratory infections that dogs typically get. Whether there's a new strain or a new type of infection is not known. But the good news is that it seems to be going away on its own. Now, ultimately, we still want to know what it is. And ultimately, if you have, you know, so why is it so bad? Why is this so? Tella or kennel cough, one and the same, that makes dogs sick. It's annoying to hear them cough. They're annoyed because who wants to be coughing all the time? It lasts typically for days and not weeks. And dogs very rarely, very rarely succumb to uh, Bordetella or kennel cough. Para-influenza, same thing, can be a bit more severe uh, but uh, and difficult for the dogs to get over, particularly the brachiocephalic breeds, those dogs with the pushed-in faces like the French mm-hmm. bulldogs, the pugs. Yeah. Uh, and and the Bulldogs and the Shih Tzu and the Pekingese. However, this seems a little different or has seemed a little different in that it can last for months. Antibiotics are not doing anything. Uh, That could be because it's a virus and not a bacterial infection, although uh, one study indicated there is a bacterial infection component. So, the bad news is, if you call it bad news, is we don't know exactly, or the experts, not me, who are looking at this, the, the laboratories across the country and so, in Canada, yeah. don't know exactly what the problem is, but, the, but it does seem to be in most places in America, not everywhere, uh, dissipating on its own, kind of burning itself out. So let me see if I understand what you're saying here, that this particular new strain of illness that is affecting dogs no one is actually sure where it came from so therefore a vaccine could not be created yet over time it seems to dissipate on itself have i got that right it's burning itself out i mean sometimes that kind of thing does happen now it may be a new strain it may be a more severe strain of something that's already there right that is unknown uh but uh the bottom line is that i I wouldn't say we're in the clear but we're close and and uh 
go to the dog park, have fun. I think, <laughs> you know, I, I say that with some caution, especially for those dogs that are most susceptible. So what's happened with this particular upper respiratory, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, that the dogs most affected are either geriatric dogs or dogs that are brachiocephalic who look like they just walked into a wall. You right. know, the bulldogs, French bulldogs, as I said, pugs. The French bulldog is the most popular dog in Chicago. So they're very popular dogs. And part of the reason might be, might be why this is so impactful is that while we have more brachiocephalic dogs in America than ever before, another factor that may play into this is there are people that won't vaccinate their dogs. Oh, and, uh, here I, we go again. I, I could, yeah. yeah, I know. So that Now, we don't know what we're vaccinating for here, but if it mm. is a strain of something already that exists, then there might be, might be, might be some cross protection. We don't know that. So vaccination for certainly upper respiratory viruses, if you've not done so in a year, is something you should consider. I I thought that would go without saying. I mean, absolutely. Mm -mm. And from what I've read of you, what I've read from what you've written before and said on the air before, that this what we're talking about now is transmitted from dog to dog. Yes? I mean, the only way a dog can get it is to get it from another dog. Is that right? Oh, we think. So we here's think. what happened. Yeah. Yeah, here's what happened to me. I was at uh, speaking at a veterinary conference, and I get into the room only early, and I am my own opening act. And I talk to people as they're coming into the room. I'm chit-chatting with people. And I said, how many of you, and these are all veterinary professionals, greatly from all over the country, uh, but uh, more from the West Coast, mm-hmm. because this was a California event. Uh, but several veterinarians actually from New Hampshire said this, that they've seen it, that they've been unsuccessful with the typical go-to antibiotics, However, a longer treatment of some other antibiotics does seem to work. What was fascinating to me, but that part we've known, what was fascinating to me is they both independently live in different places in New Hampshire. They did not know each other. They said that they swear these dogs that came down with it had mm-hmm. no contact with other dogs. I said, how do you know that? You know, Well, they live in rural areas. Yeah. Their dogs are not friendly to other dogs, and other not only their personal dogs, but clients' dogs that they've seen. Um, and they, they've given me specific examples with the names of the dogs, etc. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how can that be? Well, maybe the owner of the dog, and certainly you're a veterinarian, you're around dogs all the time, so you came home with the virus on your clothing, on your shoes, whatever. And they say, no, not the case. Uh, some of these other people are never around other dogs. And uh, that he himself has been changing clothes when he gets home. Mm-hmm. So that's unlikely. But forget about my dogs. He says, take a look at these other dogs. And these other owners are really, because they live, you know, in, in a rural space. Well, that, uh, and, yeah. and they swear that it's no other dogs. Is being transmitted. Yeah. But well, now, if you... No, if you live in a rural space, I'm guessing that these dogs are out of the house and running around in that rural space and who knows what other critters or animals or whatever you want to call them are in that other space and they certainly 
could contact come in contact with one of them without the owner having any idea of it. And maybe, it, you know, hypothetically speaking, off the top of my head, it's transmitted by some other um, animal than a dog. You know, that's conceivable. I, I honestly didn't think of that. I mean, what I thought of is somehow people could be transmitting it. But these are um, a small, to my knowledge, a small yeah. number of reports. But you have an interesting point, and, and the question's been asked of me. Could other canines, wild canines like foxes or uh, coyotes, be carrying this? Or wolves, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, if a wolf comes in contact with a dog, probably that dog won't live right. to see tomorrow necessarily. Right. But, but I, we, I don't know. No, Nobody knows that. Interesting. Well, maybe one day yeah. we'll find out. But it's a, at least it's semi-reassuring to know that uh, over time it seems to uh, dissipate. So yeah, that's, that's a good the thing. Headline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to do more with Steve Dale when we come back on 720 WGN. That was a hit record at one point, unfortunately. And, you know, I'm wondering, were those real dogs? Steve, do you think those are real dogs on that? Or are they I, I, sound I, I effects? I, I mean, were. come on, what is that? I heard they were real dogs. So they just started recording dogs and then found the right pitch to, you know, I mean, obviously the dogs aren't, well, are they? They're not really singing Jingle Bells. <laughs> right. Well, they put that together, but editing back then what it is and what it is today. Yeah, yeah, good point. Good point. I don't know okay. exactly. I don't know exactly how they did well, it. Well, you know, I don't either. It's one of those mysteries of dog life. Uh, 720, <laughs> 720 WGN, John Landecker at 849 with Steve Dale, and the holidays are definitely here. And Steve has a great article about the 12 tips for keeping pets safe during the holidays. So mm-hmm. why, don't, why don't we go over them and see if we can get them all in by the top of the hour. Some of these would be a, seem to me to be a no-brainer, but maybe not if you're not reminded, because people do put out, as your number 12 here, candles. But I don't know if people associate that with uh, pet safety. You know, most people, for most of this stuff, or a lot of it, it is common sense, but... Yeah. Here's an example. I mean, uh, firefighters say every year uh, there are some fires caused by an animal knocking over a candle right. at around Christmas time. So yeah. it's not most homes. I don't even know that most homes burn real candles anymore at Christmas. Uh, but somebody's doing it, and I don't want anybody doing that. <laughs> the other thing is that if you have a pet bird, yeah, the uh, aroma of a candle, their the respiratory systems are so sensitive, it can actually uh, knock them over, literally for oh, life. Yeah. They, I can they see how that over. could happen. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you have a candle that uh, smells like I don't know a eucalyptus, Anything. right? Yeah, uh, to us, yeah. maybe even to our pets, it might be soothing. To a pet bird, it is a death sentence waiting to happen. You know, and there maybe we should also clarify a little bit. You know, there's the typical, stereotypical old image of a candle uh, in a candle holder and the candle sticking up with a wick on the top. And then there are candles that are in jars that are aromatherapy or some right. other kind of um, utility 
Um, but those two, if could be probably not usually within the range of an animal, but who knows? I mean, those could also be t- tipped over. Um, oh well, if, well if you're not think careful. about a cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah cats like to climb. Oh my God, yeah. yes, right. Yeah. yeah, and and the cat sees this thing that oh yeah, that's oh, enticing. No. You're and right. well, there goes the yeah. cat. Uh, let's move on to good housekeeping, and we're not talking a seal yes. of approval. What do you mean by that? I mean, obviously, obviously, I, I, I got a hunch what that means as far as you're concerned, but go on. All right. So uh, the, the good news or bad news is that fewer real Christmas trees are being purchased this year because I guess they went up in price so much because mm. of the fires out west and all of that. So uh, not as many are being purchased, but for those that do purchase them, uh, the needles uh, do tend to shed, oh, and sure. dogs will sometimes yeah dogs will sometimes check it out and say oh this th- this might taste good, mm. and they get the needle stuck on their tongue or in their mouth. That's annoying, but you can get it out. But if they swallow the needle, whole different topic. Oh, and sometimes God. birds will chomp on those too. Again, pet birds. So that is something you want to avoid, obviously. So vacuum up those needles. Uh, good advice, um, even if you don't have a pet. I mean, for years and years and years and years and years, I, my family always had a, a you know, a, a real tree. Um, and recently, over the past few years, um, they've been more along the lines of artificial ones. And at first I thought it was going to diminish the holiday, but in reality, it, it hasn't. And, um... Uh, then I guess, we, and then you really don't have to worry uh, at all about needles or anything else. Um, where do you stand on tinsel? <laughs> oh, um, that, that's later down on the list, but I'm glad you asked. <laughs> oh, tinsel because, and ribbon. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think you and I mm-hmm. and all the listeners, you know, all thousands and thousands of us need to take a road trip to Washington, D.C., Stand in front of the White House and pick it, because tinsel <laughs> should be illegal, at least to pet parents. I mean, yeah. uh, there isn't a veterinarian listening right now or a technician who hasn't somehow, some way, attempted to save, and sometimes not successfully, the life of a cat, usually, but absolutely dogs, too, who have swallowed tinsel in particular, because it's sharp. And and it's first of all, it's interesting because it's shiny and it gently waves. So the cat or dog will, oh, this is interesting to investigate. They might die, bite down on it and swallow it. That happens every year to pets. Mm. And sometimes, typically it needs you require surgery, but sometimes along the way it cuts through all those important organs that all of us and our yeah. dogs or cats have. So now you've got internal damage that's done and and sometimes veterinarians just cannot repair all that damage even if they can get the tinsel out it's done damage along the way going down uh so tinsel is something if you have a pet please please do not purchase tinsel you know i regardless of whether animals are concerned uh are involved i think that there is a a split between those folks who love tinsel and those who can't stand it. I don't think there's anybody halfway. You know what I mean? 
And I don't, I'm yeah. not talking about whether or not, uh, you know, you, you think it's going to do something that's going to harm your pet. I'm just talking in general tinsel on a tree, on a Christmas tree. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. There are those who love it. I don't want to get into it now. Well, that, <laughs> might, that might be a good bit down down the road a bit, uh, down a piece. To tinsel or yep. not tinsel, what do you think? Anyway, um, so I'll get off my tinsel horse here and move on and to... Str- gonna, what? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask you a personal question. No, go ahead and ask me. Uh, do you kiss under the mistletoe? I suppose if there were the occasion, I would. It's been years Whoa. since anybody hung any mistletoe, and uh, I've got news for you. I kiss even if there aren't isn't mistletoe. So I don't know what that says about <laughs> me, but well, I mean, you, I mean, I uh, mean, your wife in particular, of but, course. Uh, yes, of course. So kissing under the mistletoe is romantic. It's lovely, uh, but be sure to keep the mistletoe out of your pet's reach. You know. In the media, we always have heard for years about poinsettia plants. And while they are not healthy for pets, uh, and I don't encourage poinsettia as a snack, they actually are unlikely to do a ton of damage. Uh, Mistletoe is quite, yeah, mistletoe is very different. Mistletoe is, uh, fresh mistletoe is toxic. Uh, And please, please, please keep the mistletoe way out of reach of the pets. So people do, and this happens periodically, they scotch tape it or something to the ceiling, or or, and then it falls in the middle of the night, and you didn't know it, and then the pet investigates, swallows some of that or some of the berries on it, and now you have a very sick pet. Good advice from Steve Dale. We're going over some tips to uh, keep your pet safe uh, during the holidays in the time remaining. Let me, um, there's one here about kissing. Can we go over that? Again, kissing. Uh, sure. Which one is that? Because I'm something not sure. Something about uh, prepare where you, or preface where you kiss, or something along those lines? Huh? Uh-huh. Well, I, I will talk about, <laughs> really don't know what he means, but I will talk about this. Okay. One of the concerns people have is the Christmas tree falling, artificial or real, because mm-hmm. the cat has jumped onto the tree. So a small lattice work fence that you can buy will actually do the trick. If you are getting a real tree, people want those trees to live longer, so they go to places to buy additives, or they right. go online, yep. which even yep. says online, everything from chicken soup to birth control pills. None of those things may birth work. Birth control pills? More. Well, uh-huh. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen a tree give birth, so maybe there's something to that. You know, you know, I didn't think of it that way, but none of that is good for your pet. I would hope. People use birth control t- pills to keep uh, real Christmas trees fresh. I've never heard of that. According to the Internet, there are all oh, sorts of possibilities, wow. including including uh, used yeah. cigars. <laughs> I'm not sure what that would do. The Internet's got to be right, though, right? Yeah, the Internet's always right. Of course, if it's on the Internet, it's got to be true. Steve, always great to talk to you once again. Where is that blog? Where is that radio program? Tell us all. SteveDale.tv is the blog. The radio shows are on, of course, of course. 720 WGN. Sunday morning for the Pet Show. All right. Thanks, Steve. Always good to talk to you. Have a great holiday. Thank you. Happy holidays. Yes. Gotcha.